This morning, we're going to remember a bit. Thankfully, we're not going to wait till our grandchildren uh, to tell them stories about now. We're just going to remember 2013. Today kind of takes the place of our normal annual society meeting. So this is our annual society celebration this morning. So we're going we're to celebrate together by remembering first what God did in 2013. We'll do this a couple times, and then we'll look forward to 2014. So we've got a couple of people who have microphones who are going to just kind of be on either side. And what I want to do is I want to ask you guys, what was your highlight for 2013? And what was one place you really saw God moving or working? I've been asking you to start thinking about this now for two or three or four weeks. So hopefully you've been doing that. But uh, I'll start just because I want to give you guys more opportunity to think. In 2013, personally... Uh, one of the highlights for me was graduating. I had spent uh, a long four years, nine months in graduate school, and it was great to walk across the stage and uh, not have forced reading or homework. Um, I loved schooling. I-, I would do it again in a heartbeat, but it was great to, uh, to, to be able to finish. So that was personally. I saw God moving and working a lot in my kids, uh, especially the last half of the year. Uh, Abby and I were very, very intentional with some discipleship that we were doing with them, and it was so much fun to watch a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old get things. I mean, they've been following Christ as best as they know how for several years now, so to see them connecting on on different levels, on, on more mature levels, was exciting for me. And I'm really looking forward to 2014 to see how we can continue that growth of our kids. Okay, do you see how easy that was? That was about a minute or less. I got to share a personal thing and something, uh, an area where I saw God moving. So we now have uh, 60 to 75 people in here. Who wants to share? Great. Tim, stand up and... uh, we got a microphone coming right over here. Thank you, Tim, for starting us off. Hello. Uh, most of you know I became a father for the second time in 2013. Uh, so that was probably my highlight of the year. Um, though it does come with some challenges having an extra uh, kid and all the logistics involved with that. But um, kind of similar to James, where I saw God move was... Uh, my eldest, uh, started Awana this year, and to see him kind of learn God's Word and kind of, like James said, get that, you know, God made the light and the dark, and he just, it's just really cool to see him start to uh, understand who God is and uh, what he's done for us, so. Very good. Now, I want to make sure that we are, we are participating whether we talk or not, so after everybody shares, we're going to do a little call and response. I'll say, and because of that, we give God the glory, and you guys simply say amen, okay? So because of that, we give God the glory. I like it. I like it. For those that don't know, amen means so be it. So yes, somebody else, something that, uh, oh, look at the hands. I love it. I love it. I love it. Go ahead and stand on up, Justin. Hello. I'm Justin, um, and God moved me when I got married. That's a highlight of last year because it's opened my eyes to leadership and running my own family. And that's a really tough deal. But, you know, with his grace, you know, it came through. So, yes, my highlight is getting married and um, just showing everybody where I was and here I am now. 
you every Sunday, and I've changed my outlook as everybody sees. <laughs> yeah, hey, you guys notice he no. got married, he starts wearing a tie. Justin, thank you, and because of that, we give God the glory. Amen. Amen. We saw a couple other hands over here. Shirley? I give God glory because Jerry's in heaven with his father now, but it's been a real hard thing to deal with. So losing him has really devastated our group and each individual in it. But he's up there in heaven with his father, so good thing. Very good. Very good. Challenging yet also good. Because of that, we give God the glory. My challenge this year in May, I made the decision to move next door to my sister over here by Audubon Park to mend some fences and to bring us all on our knees to serve the Lord in ways that we are um, brought up in the way we should go and now we are old, we should not depart from them. But I spent May to October praying, help me Lord, help me Lord, help me Lord, and every detail of my move, he helped me. If I needed a Phillips screwdriver, I reached in the toolbox and it was a Phillips. I mean, it, I just bl- praised him every single moment of the day. And I spent the whole year, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord. And thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. And he did, and I do. Very good, very good. And because of that, God, the glory. Amen. Amen. A couple other people, good. We, we will have, uh, we're going to get everybody who wants to share. We're going to have another time of sharing after this also. So keep thinking. Jim? Well, yeah, I'm Jim, and uh, I was going to share about Shadle football and coaching on a winning team, but my wife said I should mention that we got married, so that's my highlight of the year. Um, <laughs> but on that track, as you can probably see, and those of you that know us, uh, definitely God's grace working in our marriage and her putting up with me more than anything, because I'm hard to handle some days, but she definitely puts up with me well, so... Jim, thank you. Because of that, we give God the glory. Amen. 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 We got over here, Bill. Hi, I'm Bill. Um, Okay, I have a lot to say, but somebody told me to hold it in a minute or less, so that's going to be hard. You go right right up there. Okay, how's that? Perfect. Um, In our... I can tell I'm loved here by all of the jokes. <laughs> but in our family is a history of melanoma that runs in our family. So I had a spot on my arm that kept growing and growing. And I gave it to the small group and prayed about it. And the next morning after they prayed about it, there was no indication mm. of that spot mm. was gone. It was the size of a quarter and growing. Wow. And not that I deserve it. I'm so thankful God does not give me the things I deserve. He only did this because of his love and his grace and his mercy to let people know that, yes, God is still alive and well and sits on the throne. Very good. Because of that, we do give God the glory. Amen. Amen. Beth? place. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm Beth, and I think our high point was going to Texas, getting my uh, kids to meet my side of the family that we don't get to see very often at all. And I think our, our God part of it was seeing him work in Jeff's life through Awana 
and connecting with all the kids and really growing and having this passion for working in Awana that he probably didn't have when he first started doing it. <laughs> so. Very good. Very good. Because of that, we give God the glory. Amen. All right, I don't see any hands flying up, so what I'm going to do is invite the worship team back. Whoa, we got one more? Two more? Three? Oh, it, yep. Well, I'm copying people, but um, I think my highlight was getting married and just having God show me that marriages are good. Um, and I think, really, we saw God work this summer. We weren't sure if Kelsey and Donnie were going to come home to us, and it was just really hard for me to trust in God that he knew what he was doing. So now we have our whole family, and life is good. Very good. And because of that, we give God the glory. Amen. 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 All right, now. Oh. Microphone right behind you. Hi, my name is Christine. This is my second time being here, and I just love it. Um, but the highlight for my year was um, becoming a Christian this year. Oh, amen. And allowing God to work through me to work with the skills I already have in um, social services and, and volunteer and help some gals, a couple gals, to uh, obtain even just housing, um, you know, and some clothing on their back and things like that and stuff. And, and it's just pretty amazing, you Fantastic. know, how God's worked in my life. And Friday, actually, I one more quick little thing is my... Mom has been mentally ill my whole life, and I uh, was always afraid that I was going to be like her, And um, even though she's still alive, and I'm dealing with that. But the thing is, I saw someone finally took the leap of faith and went, and he said, you're fine. What the heck? You oh, wow. Know? So I don't have any issues. So I'm very blessed. Very good, God's Christine. working in my life. Thank you so much for sharing. Because of that, we give God the glory. Amen. Amen. All right. I want you guys to keep thinking about what you can share. We're going to have another time after we worship a little bit. As they're coming forward, I want to thank God for the things that we just praised Him for. Lord God, You are good, and Your love endures forever. It is good for us to look back and remember what You have done. God, there's a lot of joy in uh, beginning marriages. There's, uh, there's joy in healings. There's joy in new life in Christ. God, there's, there's joy in, even in the pain and losing a loved one. God, there's, there's, there's joy in moving and seeing you work in even the small details. Lord God, we thank you for all of that. And we do give you all the glory. And all God's people said, amen. So part of this morning, the front half of this morning, we are looking back and remembering what God did for us in 2013, looking at a highlight for our life and, and how we saw God moving. We've already heard uh, eight or so people share, and there is uh, another 67 or so that are available. No pressure. Thank you. Stacia would like to be the first. Stacia, go ahead and stand on up. Stacia, and um, we had kind of a vision before we got married of wanting to serve in Spokane's low-income neighborhoods. And we went to a bank, and they said, oh, well, you guys haven't had your jobs for long enough. You guys, you know, it's just a bad time for banks to be giving out loans. And so I thought, okay, well, it's not the right time. And um, then some friends of ours were like, oh, you need to use our mortgage broker. He's the best. So we were like, okay. And he was a believer, so he kind of had the same spirit, if you will. And so we were able to get a loan. 
which is like a miracle in itself because Tyler had just gotten his job, which was a miracle in itself. Um, but so that was really exciting. And then it was like, okay, now we just need to find the right house. So, and it didn't take that long. God just like put the house there for us. Our, our realtor was like, you guys need to look at this house. And we were like, oh, we do? Yeah, you guys need to look at this house. So we looked at the house. We loved it. It was foreclosed, so it was really cheap, which was great for us because we didn't actually have that much money. Um, we got our dog and our cat, which was great for us because they're our babies right now. And um, we've been starting to get to know the kids. Dogs are great for getting to know kids. We have kids that run up to us, hey, it's Molly. They don't know our names, but they know our dog. So that's, that's great. And so God is um, just making a way for us to live out that dream that he put in our hearts. So just, and also... What God's been doing in our lives is figuring out how to balance. You know, you have the neighbor kids. You got six kids in your backyard running around. Um, how do you balance that? So that's what God's been doing. That's what God's been doing. Yeah. It sounds like God has placed you guys to be incarnational, which means they're amongst. Because of that, we give God the glory. Amen. Amen. Mike. Hi, I'm Mike. Uh, we uh, were one of the cu- mature couples at the, uh, at the marriage retreat. Um, yeah. A couple of things we noticed that we had another mature couple with us, and the two of us combined in our marriages more than equaled the other 14 couples that were there with us. Uh, we also came to a not-so-exciting conclusion, was that everyone that was there was young enough to be our child. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm getting somewhere. I'm, I'm not just an old man rambling. Um, we have our own children that we pray for, and we've seen miraculous things in our own children. But many of you young couples we also see as our children. We may not come up and call you sons and daughters and that, but, but we look upon you uh, as our children. And, and one of the things our small group, which, by the way, is are also mature uh, <laughs> Christians, have wondered about, because many of us have been leadership members in our small group within this church, and we have been wondering who is going to take our place. And we have seen an answer to prayer this year in that, as some of you young Kids, our children, have stepped up and uh, taken some leadership and active roles in that. And that's amazingly good to see. Very good. Because of that, we give God the glory. Amen. Amen. Dr. Dean. Well, this may not sound like too much of a celebration, but I was thinking of in the first six months of 2013, I saw eight of my friends' relatives pass away. Among those were Jerry, Ben, and Chaplain Bell. But these were all a a sign of victory. Hmm. And I think you remember particularly uh, Jerry's celebration here. What a celebration of victory! Mike, you mentioned about who's coming up. 
<laughs> We're passing on. <laughs> so uh, someone's going to have to take our place. But, but in all of this, I, I saw the Lord's presence. And I, I felt his comfort in knowing that these good friends and, and family were now in the presence of the Lord. Mm. And because of that, we give God the glory. Amen. Amen. Got a microphone right behind you. I hope. I really don't need a microphone. Anyway, I've, I've had lots of highlights, but we became, I became a great-grandmother for the 13th time with twin babies, uh, Poppy Jane and Paisley Ruth. And they are three months old, and Poppy has a problem with her head. And my kids, just my grandchildren, just went over to Seattle to the, university, the Children's Hospital, University of Washington, and they said, She's too young and too tender and to put a helmet on her now because she'll have to wear it up close to a year. But they said you take her back home and because uh, her neck is very, very tight. She's breached the whole time. And uh, she's a doll, let me tell you. And so anyway, they came home last night and they don't want to see them again until March but they want them to have physical therapy on this baby's neck. And so that's a whole lot better than wearing a helmet, let me tell you. And so God is good, and I think it's brought my grandchildren, the mother and father of those, much closer to God. Very good, very good. And because of that, we give God the glory. Amen. Amen. Don't, wanna, don't want anybody to miss an opportunity. Terry? Shirley's right. Um, when we lost Jerry in our group, it was devastating to all of us. But yet we were able to see God working in his comfort and his strength. And um, we say that he was there to welcome Colleen's brother home when he went home a few weeks ago. Uh, another a highlight in our year was our oldest granddaughter got married and God protected us we were um, in a rear-end collision mm. it's kind of disappointing because we had just bought a new car had it two months and we were rear-ended and I said oh it's too bad it wouldn't have happened in our old car that we were trading in but if it would have we would have been much more seriously hurt so praise God very good because of that we give God the glory amen amen Well, I'm sure we've got a lot of other stories we could tell. Good. Sorry. Nope. You're good. A little bit slow on the uptick there. <laughs> um, I think one of the exciting things uh, about 2013 for me was seeing how many answers to prayer that we had within our small group. We prayed a lot for Jerry, and, you know, Jerry's at home. He's at home, and he's in a better place. And so we feel that he was healed hmm. through that. Um, we prayed for lots of aches and pains because our group's kind of old. Mature. <laughs> you mature. know, but um, mature. we're mature, yes. Um, but every time we've prayed about something, God has answered that prayer. And it's so exciting to see how many times he keeps answering. And why am I so surprised? I don't know why. 
But um, it's just been really awesome to see that. But one of the things that we're really excited about is we've been praying for Chris England. And she announced on Thursday night that she's in remission. Mm. So isn't that praise the Lord? Yeah. And so we've just had awesome, awesome answers to prayer this year. So that's what's been really exciting for Very us. Very good. Very good. Because of that, we give God the glory. Amen. Amen. Carol. A lot of you people don't know me, but we got married in this church, my husband and I, and we've been in Chihuahua for years. <laughs> Quit. And, you know, I, I wanted to share with everybody, I left Chihuahua, the big church up there, and came here, and it's been difficult for me to adjust to things, and there's been a lot of change in our lives, but this year, um, at Christmas time, my father, there's five of us kids, when we get together, he rents a hall. We have a big celebration together. There's over 60 of us, when it all the grandkids, great-grandkids and stuff. And I was, had called everybody to eat, because we have a potluck. And my, didn't know how much that we had touched our grandchildren's lives. But all of a sudden, they all lined up and said, aren't we going to pray? Mm. Now, most of my family are not Christians. They, they're not church-going Christians, I should say. Anyhow, um, we have a prayer that my mother taught us years ago, and I am blessed that all my grandchildren know it, and we have a thing that we clap our hands up in the air and bring our hands down ready for prayer. So the grandkids lined up and all did this, and all the people in that hall prayed with everybody and not my children. There's three of them. They're not churchgoers. One son is right now, but they are all praying now. Mm. The nieces and nephews, they thought it was so neat that they are praying in their home now before a meal. So don't give up, folks. Teach those kids, even though you don't think you're doing anything with them. Teach them, love them, show them God's love, because it's worth it at the end. Very good. Thank you, Carol. Because of what she has shared, we give God the glory. Amen. Miss Marlene. Even be here this morning because the bus company was even asking me to come uh, on the ship to the hour that, that you close at quarter to 11. Uh, he wanted, they wanted me to take that hour to come here and uh, how in the world am I going to enjoy service when I come on the hour you close? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. We are grateful Miss Marlene's here. Because of that, we give God the glory. Amen. Amen. Good morning. I'm Ryan Crome. Uh, saw God work a lot this year in uh, in my work. Uh, a lot of you prayed this year. There was some uncertainty with my with my job, and so it was a, a rough year that way. And, and things have ended up very well. I'm in a new position and uh, with a great supervisor. I really love working with her and my new team. So I just want to say thank you for all your prayers for that. And that's where I really see have seen uh, a blessing this year. And where I've seen God work 
is uh, in the life of my friend Mark. Um, a lot of you know about the situation with Mark. Um, almost two years ago now on Easter, he had come down with cancer, a very, uh, very rough cancer. And a lot of you here prayed for him. And um, I, I do believe because of that, uh, he is recovered now. He's in remission, and he's doing very well. And, uh, and so his family and, uh, and all of our, his friends definitely thank you for all of his prayers. And uh, just wanted to give you guys a quick update on that as well. He's, he's doing well. Great. Ryan, thank you. Because of that, we give God the glory. Amen. Amen. And Susie, I saw your hand go up. Do you want to wrap us up? I can't say that anything spectacular happened in my life this last year. I don't have any wild stories of recovery or, you know, as you get older, it's, it's a blessing that your life goes along at something more of an even keel. Um, it's a blessing to read the obituaries and see that you aren't there yet. And, and I just... The blessing of day by day by day, knowing whom you believe and knowing whom you are following, knowing that you have the support of your Christian friends, and I am blessed beyond measure in many, many ways that I cannot even count, and so I'm very happy that I haven't got anything wild and woolly to tell you. Uh, It's just great being alive. I'm happy that I have another birthday every year, and I'm happy... I'm just happy. The Lord has just given me great joy. That doesn't mean I don't have concerns. I have a very sick daughter. But otherwise, um, you know, and, and I guess maybe my biggest victory in the last calendar year was finally, at last, at last, at last, after many attempts, really, really giving her into the hands of the Lord for his disposition of her situation. Uh, you know how you pick up burdens and you lay them down and you give them and you take them back. And at last, I think I really learned not to take that burden back and what a difference it's made. And so I'm thankful to be here. And uh, happy 214 to everybody. Very good. The steadfast love of the Lord never changes. Because of what Susie has shared, we give God the glory. Amen. 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 One over here. Okay. Me. (laughs) I've got the mic. Go ahead, Gary. (laughs) Fantastic year, 2013. I can't tell you. How many wonderful things have happened? Uh, the most wonderful is my new wife, Cindy, who's back on the sound booth, been married almost a year now. Uh, a new home, a new dog, uh, two new dogs, maybe. Uh, wonderful new friends. And both Cindy and I have been asking for a long time for a place where we felt we could be of service to others. And we're sure glad to be here. And Last but not least, my new friend, Sam Cates. Very good. Very good. Gary, thank you. Because of what Gary shared, we give God the glory. Amen. Amen. In every annual society meeting, we take time to vote on a budget. Not going to do that this morning. We already passed that in December. We also take time to uh, let you know who the new leadership is that's coming in. I'm not going to introduce everybody individually, but I want to have those who are serving on the board or cabinet or staff or any sort of volunteer role at all, go ahead and stand. Yeah, worship team, kids ministry, hospitality ministry. Any sort of 
any sort of ministry volunteers. Susie, you volunteer at the hospital, stand up. <laughs> Jeff, you occasionally volunteer with the kids, stand up. I'm going to call you out if you're... If you're st- What's that? David, David, you volunteer, stand up. Very good. I'm sure there are people who aren't standing that I can't see. So uh, we lead. Bruce? Bruce? Stand up. Yeah, I want to. I mean, all sorts of things. Hey, we, as a church, we lead. We lead. We lead with each other. We lead for each other. We lead for the glory of God. I thank those who have led in 2013 and those who are going to be leading in 2014. Uh, I want to pray for the coming year. I want to pray for you guys that are standing and those that are sitting. We're going to take an offering afterwards, and then I'm going to share a little bit about 2014. So let's pray together. Lord God, we do give you the glory this morning. I know we've said that after every time that someone has shared, but it just doesn't get old. Uh, you are good, and uh, you take care of us, you love us, and it's good for us to think back and remember. Uh, Lord, I thank you for those who in 2013 have given any of their time, any of their talents, any of their gifts towards you and your kingdom, uh, whether it be service inside these walls or service outside these walls. I thank you for the protection that you have granted and for the lives that have been touched because of them. Lord, I pray for those that are going to be serving in 2014 as well. I pray that same protection over them. And I pray, Lord, that every time they have a chance to share you, be it in word or deed, they will take advantage of that. Lord, we want to see your kingdom grown. We want to see it come here on earth just as it is in heaven. And we want to make sure we continue to give you the glory for that. God, one of the ways we can do that is by giving back in our tithes and offerings. We thank you for the ways you have gifted us in, uh, in these, and we give back to you with a joyful and cheerful heart. Use these gifts and offerings uh, in this coming year, God, to grow your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated, and we'll continue to worship as we give offering. You know, that song starts off, we stand and lift up our hands. I know for a lot of us in this tradition, that's not standard for us uh, to lift our hands. You know, a little, little bit uncomfortable. Maybe if we're going to lift our hands, it's, it's like this. Okay, maybe. Every time I sing that, I picture a kid that's, that's running up and wants to be picked up by their dad. Right? They don't run up to him and say, do they? I mean, they run up to him and they're like this. They, they want up. And I, and I picture God wanting to see us, raising our arms, ready to be picked up into his lap. We stand and lift up our hands, because holy is the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, I'm about to get my preach on. <laughs> Woo! Okay, I told you at the beginning, it's the annual society celebration. We're going to go long. I'm going to hold to that promise. It'll be the first time in eight years I am preaching without a script in front of me. So it could be three minutes, it could be 45 minutes. We'll see what happens. You guys are familiar with the phrase, uh, looking at life through rose-colored glasses, yes? You've heard that? Okay, so last Sunday, Abby and I and the boys were driving back from Seattle. It was dusk, the light was, you know, starting to fade a little bit, and I'm I'm trying to stay on the road, tired from a long weekend, and, and I hear, wow, this really does make everything better. I'm confused, so I looked over at Abby, and she had her sunglasses on. Now, they happen to have a rose-colored or a red tint to them, so she says, here, try them on. So I, I put them on, and she was right. Everything did look better 
with rose-colored glasses. It was fantastic. Now, every one of us goes through life and looks through life through our own specific lenses. Okay, we have the experiences that shape us. Maybe it's the way our parents raised us. Maybe it was a traumatic experience. Maybe it was the friends that we made growing up. But, but all of these things, they help shape the lens through which we view life. Anybody want to argue with that? Okay, good. We also have a specific lens through which we view church. Some of us grew up, and, and the ways our parents made us sit still or not sit still, uh, the songs that we sang, the, 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 the ways we had sure that the dime allowance that we got from our parents was split into a nickel and five pennies so that we could tie the penny. Oh. They helped shape our view of church. We all have specific lenses, and, and then that lens through which we view church helps shape our expectations of what a Sunday morning needs to look like. You know, should it be, should it be uh, calm and somber and quiet? Should it be uh, boisterous and, and, and un, uh, unkept? You know, our, our, our lens helps us uh, shape our expectations for the past, for the staff, for the volunteers. The lens through which we understand a church helps shape that. We've spent time this morning looking back through our own individual lenses of what God has done for us in 2013. What I want to do now is a little bit about what the leadership is going to be looking through, the lens through which we'll evaluate how we are doing church. Now, this is not a, uh, okay, Pastor James is going to stand up there and he's going to give this brand new vision and mission and we're going somewhere different in 2014. This is not that. This is actually something that you're going to hear or that you have been hearing over the last eight years just in one 30-minute time frame. And if you sat in on the summer's uh, Mission Vision Value series, this will just be a refresher for you. Ultimately, what I'm going to share this morning is the lens through which we as a church, we as church leadership, are going to view how well we are doing church. And that's going to start with this overarching vision. we got some pictures here. Our overarching vision of church is going to be about being disciples, making disciples of Jesus Christ. I personally think that every single church that, that claims to be a Christian church throughout the world needs to have this as their overarching mission and vision. Now, why is that? It's because I think that's what Jesus demonstrated. You look at the very beginning of his ministry, Mark chapter 1, 16 and 17. He's walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee. He sees Simon and his brother Andrew. They're fishing, and he says to them, hey, come follow me. Come be my disciple, and I will teach you how to fish for people. That's at the very beginning of his ministry. Now you bookend that with the, thing at the, the last thing he said at the end of his ministry. Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20, or 18 through 20. You guys know it as the Great Commission. Jesus said, therefore all authority has been given to me under heaven and earth. Go and make disciples, baptizing, name and, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the commands I have given you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth. He begins with, come, be my disciple. He ends with, go, make disciples. So our overarching vision really is being disciples, making disciples of Jesus Christ. I, I think this can be simplified uh, looking at 1 John verse 2, 6. It's one of my life verses. The, the author of that says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Okay, so, so discipleship isn't just about knowing facts about Jesus. It's about living like Jesus. It's about getting to where we do the things that Jesus did, which is a crazy big thought. 
But ultimately, I think Christ has called us to that. Being disciples, making disciples. You guys are familiar with C.S. Lewis, yes? Yes? Famous author. Uh, Alan Hirsch, in his book, The Forgotten Ways, quotes C.S. Lewis. He says, The church exists for no other purpose than to draw people to Christ and make them like Christ. C.S. Lewis says, If the church is not doing this, then all the cathedrals, all the clergy, all the missions, all the sermons, even the Bible are a waste of time. If we are not about being disciples, making disciples of Christ. So, here's the problem. We're humans. So it doesn't matter how hard we try. It doesn't matter how disciplined we are. It doesn't matter how many times we're in the church walls or at a small group or anything. We're going to fail and we can't be better disciples of Jesus Christ and we can't make disciples of Jesus Christ. So we're missing a key. There's a picture of that key. <clears throat> that key is the Holy Spirit. Okay, so in order for us to be disciples, make disciples of Christ, we have to depend on and rely on the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and Jesus replied to him, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Only the Spirit can enable us to be disciples, make disciples. This is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Let's bookend it again with the end of it. Okay, Luke chapter 24, verse 49, Jesus says, And I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father has promised. Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Jesus seems to understand that we cannot be disciples, make disciples of himself without the power of the Spirit. Here's the crazy thing. We want to be and act like Jesus. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Okay? He was baptized, right? And when he came out of the water, did the first thing he say, well, was it, yeah, I think I'm going to go in the wilderness and not eat for 40 days, because that'll be fun. No. Scripture tells us that as Jesus was uh, coming out of the water full of the Holy Spirit, he returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. We're trying to be like Christ. We got to recognize that even Christ was led by the Spirit. I love John chapter 14, verse 26. When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, Jesus says, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So our overarching goal, being disciples, making disciples of Christ, must be done in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if it's not, it won't take place. Now, if that is taking place, I believe that being disciples and making disciples is going to take place in every church in three main realms. We'll look at each three of those. The first realm is in communion. A lot of your first thought's going to be, okay, bread and some grape juice. But what I'm talking about in communion is a oneness with the Father. Key verse here is John chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus says, the Father and I are one. If our goal is to be like Christ, then we should be able to say the Father and I are one. So communion, we're trying to make sure we have an abiding in the Father, a oneness in the Father. He prayed something similar in John chapter 17. Jesus said, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. Now, that's kind of a big concept. How do we become one with the Father? How do we develop our oneness? 
We look at Jesus. The story of Jesus is found in the Gospels. How did he develop this oneness with God? Well, he prayed. There's a novel concept. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, before daybreak, Jesus went out. He got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Luke chapter 5, verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness to pray. You see see his disciples in Acts chapter 4 gathered to pray. And the meeting place shook and the Holy Spirit descended on them. So one way that we can develop our communion, our oneness with the Father, is through prayer, as demonstrated by Jesus. Now another way is gathering together, and let's just simplify it, going to church. Because you see Jesus doing that. Luke chapter 2, verse 41 to 52, is the story of when Jesus was 12 years old and his parents took him to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. They celebrated it, and then the parents left with their little caravan of family members, and they figured Jesus was with them. Three days later, they realized he wasn't, and as parents, they went back to Jerusalem, terrified, looking for him, and eventually found him where? In church, right? In the temple. <coughs> Luke chapter 2, verse 48. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Twelve-year-old son replies, but why have you needed to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? And this is a 12-year-old Jesus demonstrating the fact that oneness with father includes going to church. Okay, so fast forward 18, 20 years, and he's a grown-up. He's in his ministry, and what's taking place? He's going to church. Okay, Mark chapter 1, verse 39. So Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Luke chapter 4, 14 to 16. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through everywhere. There's a lot of excitement. He taught regularly in their synagogues. That's verse 15. Verse 16. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual, to the synagogue. If anybody ever tells you Jesus didn't go to church, they're wrong. Okay, Jesus went to church, and I believe that's part of what helped him develop his communion with the Father. Another way that he developed communion with the Father was through song. Oh, do I need water? Okay. We ought to just put a drinking fountain up here. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, You look at Jesus after he celebrated his final Passover with his disciples. Uh, Both um, Matthew or Mark chapter 14 and Matthew 26 say the exact same thing. It says, then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. So three ways that the gospels show us Jesus developed communion with God. Prayer, time in church, and singing. Sound like anything else we do? Come on, somebody. Yeah. Sundays from 9.30 to 11. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's part of it. But let me tell you, that's not the only ways that we develop communion with God. That's the traditional ways that the church has done that as they've gathered together. But there are more ways than that. Gary Thomas writes a book called Sacred Pathways. In that, he describes it's either seven or nine different distinct ways that people connect with God. It's a great book and really eye-opening because for you, Sunday mornings are fantastic. For others, you leave thinking, well, I didn't encounter God there. But this book uh, tells about ways we do encounter God and and ways we do develop communion with the Father. 
So communion, oneness with God. I and the Father are one, Jesus says. That's ultimately what we're trying to get at. Okay, so recap really quick. Overarching vision and, and goal, being disciples, making disciples, must be done with the power of the Holy Spirit and is done in one sphere of communion. Now there's another sphere also that most churches also do. It's called inclusive community. Now, this is kind of hard to swallow, but there are a lot of people outside the church who view Christians as exclusive. Not inclusive, exclusive. Maybe it's, maybe it's the neighbor of a Christian, and they just want to go hang out and watch the game, but the Christian's uh, somewhere Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Tuesday night, uh, sometimes uh, occasional men's breakfast Saturday morning. I mean, th- these are not bad things, but... How often are our non-Christian friends getting invited to them? <clears throat> so as a look at how Jesus demonstrated inclusive community, what we want to look at is who he invited to his table or whose table he was invited to. Because in that culture, table fellowship meant everything. So you search the Gospels, the story of Jesus, and you figure out, okay, who did he eat with? Well, one, he ate with the church people, the Pharisees. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Luke chapter 11, verse 37. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So Jesus went in and took his place at the table. Luke 14, another time, a Pharisee invited Jesus home to eat a meal with him. So Jesus spent time with the church people, with the religious people. The people who society would have said had it figured out. Now, Jesus also spent a lot of time at the table of his disciples. These are the people who I would call soldiers, people who are trying to figure out what it means to follow Christ. They've said, yes, I want to follow him, but sometimes they're going to get it right, and sometimes they're going to get it wrong. But they're still in process of trying to figure out what it means to follow Christ. Look at Luke chapter 22, verse 14. It says, when the time came, Jesus and his apostles sat down together and ate at the table. Luke chapter 24, after his resurrection, a couple of guys were walking on the Emmaus Road. Jesus walked with them for a long time. He was going to leave at the end of the journey. They convinced him to come and eat with him. And that's where they realized who he was. So Jesus spent time with the religious people eating. He spent time with his disciples eating, people who were trying to figure out what it meant to follow Christ. And he also spent a lot of time with those people who it would not have been seen as they were trying to figure out what it, what it meant to follow Christ. They just, those were the ones that you know, society said, they're, they're not going to be religious. They don't want anything to do with us. There was the sick, the immoral, the tax collectors. The, I mean, Jesus, Jesus spent time with all these people. Uh, Luke 14, 2, there was a man whose arms and legs were swollen. Jesus healed him. Luke 15, 31, Jesus says healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Now, there was the immoral people. Luke 7, verse 37, there was a certain immoral woman from a city who heard he was eating there. So again, at the table. And she came, brought some, a jar filled with expensive perfume. Jesus spent time with her. The biggest hiccup for the religious people was when Jesus would hang out with sinners. Luke 15, 1 and 2, it talks about notorious sinners and tax collectors came to listen to Jesus. This made the Pharisees and religious leaders uh, complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Jesus seemed to include everybody at his table inclusive community. 
A great example of this is from the Old Testament, the, the guy named Job. Job 31, verse 31 to 32. Job said, My servants have said, He let others go hungry. I have never turned away a stranger, but have opened my doors to everyone. Now, inclusive community needs to take place with those outside the church with us, as well as those inside the church. We can be pretty exclusive, even with those that are sitting around regularly with us. So we need to make sure we're inclusive with those in and out of the church. The key idea in this sphere is that Jesus says in John 13, they're going to know you are my followers by your love for each other. So if people can look at us as Christians with other Christians and as Christians with non-Christians and say, wow, they love them. And then we're truly practicing inclusive community. How are we doing up there? Okay, let's add a third sphere. We've got being disciples, making disciples. It has to be done in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's done through communion. It's done through inclusive community. And it's done through mission. For those who speak some of the, the, the modern verbiage, is done by being missional. This can be summed up in one word. Sent. Sent. I preached a sermon about being sent not too many weeks ago. Key idea here is what Jesus says in John chapter 17, verse 18. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Well, what do you mean, Jesus? You look at John chapter 1, verse 14. It says, so the word, Jesus, became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory in the glory of the Father's one and only Son. He's come and he's made his home amongst us. He's been incarnational. So Jesus says, just as you have sent me, Father, so I send them. So oftentimes in a church, we think that if, if we're going to send somebody, it's going to be to Papua New Guinea. Thank you, David and Shelly Midkiff. Bless you guys. Or it's going to be to Ohio with the hopes of, of going somewhere else. Thank you, Braxtons. But we can live sent right where we're very at. Right, right, right. Yeah, right where very much so. You look at Tyler Station, what they were talking about earlier. They felt called to West Central. They didn't move out of Spokane. They just bought a house in a specific place where they felt called, and they're being with their neighbors and their neighbor's kids who like their dog named Molly. Okay? They're living sent. Each and every one of us can live sent. As I had a leadership dinner recently, I, I talked about Mike. Mike's been living sent with his third graders for 20, 21 years. Okay? purposeful. He gets up in the morning, yes, to do a job, to teach, but he also gets up to live sent. And he is married to, now, of those students? Two of those students? One of those students, and countless others have come to him for guidance and counsel. He has lived sent. Jesus did this. Jesus lived amongst the neighborhood. The accusation of the people around him once when he was teaching and preaching, they, they scoffed at him, Matthew 13. They said, he's just the carpenter's son. We know his mom. We know his brothers. Shoot, he lived in our neighborhood. He played with our kids. He fixed our table. That means he was incarnational. That means he was sent. That means he lived among them. Jesus also said, again, great commission. Therefore, go and make disciples. I've said this before, literally in the Greek, that's therefore, as you are going, make disciples. As you are doing life, make disciples. This idea of being sent takes place, again, inside the church and outside the church. Hear about this. There are people who God has hardwired 
to love and care for those inside the church, to care for the orphans, the widows. God has made them for that, and that's fantastic. They're living sent. Just as much so, God has made some people to want to walk around and talk to people on the street corner that they don't know. It's living sent. Okay? So that is that third sphere. You, you get to see <coughs> that you were right. Look, at, I needed water. Thank you. Uh, you get to see Jesus sending out his disciples a couple different times. Mark chapter 6, Luke chapter 10. In those times is, is the famous verse where Jesus says, Hey, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send harvesters. For the harvest is ripe. Lord, send workers into your fields. Everywhere Jesus went, he was living sent. Okay? So, being disciples, making disciples, only done in and through the power of the Holy Spirit, done in three ways in just about every church. Communion, inclusive community, and mission. Now, first church. You guys have a specific DNA. Every church has a specific DNA. So take a second, look around. Kind of awkward, but yeah, look around. Okay? Good. There's a couple things that, that I believe God has put with those he's brought in here that helps form and shape the DNA that allows us to live this out. One, I think that with a lot of us in here, we're part of small groups. And there are some that still want to be part of small groups. Um, I haven't forgotten about you guys. Okay? Uh, you're part of small part of groups that gather outside of a Sunday morning, and I think we've got a huge opportunity with those groups to live this out. Okay, how could that look practically speaking? One way, not saying it's the only way, but one way, if you met four times a month, so once a week, two of those times, man, study scripture together, pray together, talk about how you have connected with God in communion together. Okay, two of those times. One of those times, have a mission. What breaks your heart as a group? Okay, then go, then go solve that. Then go work on that. Okay? The fourth time, if the month only had four weeks, inclusive community. So I would say don't meet as a group. But call your neighbor. Call your coworker. Call your friend that you work out with at Hawaii. Have them, have them over for dinner. There's inclusive community. And that's one way I think our small groups could really live this out. Now, a second way. And this is so cool. It's one of my favorite parts about First Church. We have a huge opportunity in intergenerational connectedness. And this is language you've heard us using now for at least eight years. Okay, so raise your hand if you've got white hair. And then just keep it up. Okay, yeah, go ahead, keep it up. It won't make you... Raise your hand if you've got salt and pepper hair. Okay, keep it up. Raise your hand if your hair is just a solid color. Go ahead, raise your hand if you have no hair. Okay, good. Raise your hand if it's dyed some funky color. We're waiting for that. Okay, good. Raise it if the natural color and you've, you know, you get the point, right? There's all ages in here. And what's beautiful about that is Scripture talks about the opportunity for those with white or salt and pepper hair to pour into those with, with dyed hair and natural hair. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, it doesn't speak about hair, but listen to what it says. It says, Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother. Treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. See some relationships going on in here. Titus chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. Similarly, 
uh, he writes, Teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. Here's what I love about this, okay? It talks about older women training younger women in the things of life. Yes, do an, do an inductive Bible study if you want. But also make sure you're training the younger women how to love your husband, how to, how to help raise your kids, how to care for a home or, or how to interact at work. Uh, it, says, it goes on in verse 6, in the same way encourage young men to live wisely. Okay, that's older men. Encourage younger men to live wisely. We've got a huge opportunity in that here in this church. I'll talk uh, in just a few minutes about specific ways we can do that. One of the other things, you look around, you don't see it too much right now because most of them are downstairs, but we've got a lot of children here. We've got a lot of children, a lot of young families, and we've got a huge opportunity for multi-generational ministry. Psalm 145 verse 4 says, Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. Joel chapter 1 verse 3, Tell your children about it in the years to come, and let your children tell their children. Pass the story down from generation to generation. We've got a huge opportunity to train up our young kids in being disciples, making disciples with the key of the Holy Spirit through communion, inclusive community, and mission. This is opportunities that we have as a church that if we truly take them, man, we're going we're gonna to grow from the inside out. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment is, he went back to the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. And teach them to your children. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands, wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We've got an opportunity, not just with the parents of these children, but with co-parents and co-grandparents of the children to raise them up to do this. Okay, that's the lens through which we're looking at as a leadership at First Church, of how we do church. That's what we're going to evaluate, whether or not we're succeeding in this. So let's talk very, very practically. Some of this could seem big picture. Let's talk very practically. I've got two goals, and I've shared this with the leadership uh, a couple weeks back. Two goals for First Church in 2014. One, I want to see half the body involved in a very purposeful relationship with somebody else. You can call it an accountability partner. You can call it a, you know, a, a good friend. Call it whatever you want. Uh, we can deem it a, a journey partner because everybody on life is on a journey together. But I want to see half the church in an intentional relationship. You guys have kind of got to watch as Gary and Sam's has taken off from the start and, and as it's grown. And I'm going to keep coming back to that because it's so fun to see the intentionality in their relationship. So here's how I would love to see these work, or some degree of that. In these relationships, I want to see all three of these spheres taking place. So I'd love to see Scripture being read. Now, if Zach and I are in one of these relationships, it doesn't mean I sit down in front of him and say, I'm going to read you Psalm 119, listen. Okay? But throughout the week, maybe Zach and I are reading one or two 
three chapters a day, and then when we talk on a, on a given day, it's, hey, Zach, what did God teach you? Sweet, okay? Here's what God taught me. It's not a, I am teacher, I have been in the, the, the Christian world for 87 years, and and learn from me. It's a co-journey together. Okay? So there's the communion sphere. Now, inclusive community. In these journey partner relationships, you want inclusive, confess sin to one another. Because all of a sudden, the things that you don't tell anybody, you're telling somebody. And there's a closeness. You see a little journey card in your bulletin. Okay? That says 10 questions. This is not new. This is not James. This is stuff that's been going on forever and ever. Amen. John Wesley used to call these little things, uh, somebody help me out. What do you call these things? Man, a good free Methodist would know this. Okay, so John Wesley used to ask these type of questions. Okay, so you look at those, and these are examples of questions you could ask this person you're in relationship with. And then you confess sin to each other, and inclusive community is taking place. Now, the third thing, mission. How do you do mission with just two of you meeting? You pray for those that don't know Christ. You pray for those that don't know Christ. And let me tell you, it works. It works. Scott and I have been praying for a friend of ours for years, two, three years. And within the past couple months, came to know Christ. As no result of ours, it happened somewhere else at some other church. Guy raised his hand, came to know Christ, and he's been growing ever since. Okay? So as a journey partner, you guys are praying those that don't know Christ. If I'm in relationship with Austin, Austin, who's two or three people that don't know Christ that you know, I'm going to pray for them. And I share a couple with him, and he'd pray for them. And then what happens is somebody comes to know Christ, and all of a sudden, group of two becomes a group of three. Yes! And then you guys are praying for people who don't know Christ, and all of a sudden, your group of three becomes a group of four, and, ooh, you split. Go back to a group of two, and you start praying again, and these things grow. They take off. They expand. But it's intentional. So one of my goals in 2014, I want to see half of our body, half of our body in these type of intentional relationships. I've made it a requirement for anybody on my leadership, on the board or in the cabinet or on my staff. So if one of them on leadership comes up to you and says, Pastor told me I have to be in a relationship, you want to be in a relationship with me? (laughs) Just say yes and see what happens. Okay? God's going to move. God's going to work. It'll be fantastic. It'll be awesome. The other goal I have for First Church in 2014, I want to see 52 people commit to living sent. I mentioned this at the sermon I preached a couple weeks back. We're going to send to somebody next week, somebody from within our body who is not moving, who's not changing jobs, who's not doing anything. He's just very purposefully saying, this is the way I see God sending me. So we're going to send him. We're going to commission him. We'll pray for him. We'll anoint him with oil. We'll put his picture up on a wall somewhere. We haven't figured out where that we'll put underneath it. This is where he's sent so you guys can see it. You guys can pray for him. And then you guys can realize, ooh, I can too. And my goal is that 52 people will live sent. I realize that's a big goal. Okay? There's a church, our, our, our sister church over in the valley that's been doing this now for three or four years. I don't know how many they have up on the wall. Do they have a lot? 20 or 30, okay? So this is a big goal. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. We should, we should, take a t- we should go to church there some Sunday. All of us. And then we can look at their scent wall. I have a goal to send 52 people. Okay? Will that mean some people go to China? Maybe. Will that mean some people go across the street? Maybe. Okay? That'd be living scent. Those are my two very, three, those are my two very practical goals for First Church in 2014. I've been up front with you. 
You know what's coming. I'm going to keep pushing them over and over and over because I believe that God is going to work through those. Because we're seeking to do this over all. I want to pray for us. And then we're going to close singing two more songs. Yes, we've sung a lot this morning. Blame me, not Austin. I told Austin we were planning service. Austin, I want to have eight songs. So it's my fault. Okay, so we'll sing two more songs and we'll wrap up. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning. I know we're not done yet, but we have celebrated well. We have looked back and now we've looked forward. God, we believe that you are not done with First Church yet. We believe that you have a plan for us. And that plan is for good. God, well, what, will, what will First Church look like in January of 2015? We don't know. But we want to trust that this week, this month, and this year, that if we seek to follow you, you would meet us. You would grow us, you would change us, and you would change others as a result of this. God, thank you for this morning, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. There you have it. 2014, our annual society celebration. Yes, we made it. Y'all go ahead and stand. No formation hour this morning. Uh, Don't forget, talk to DJ and Elizabeth if you're interested in the Truth Project series. So for this week and 2014, may God bless you and protect you. May he smile upon you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. Amen Amen. and amen.